This is the Emergency Medical Minute, sponsored by Mile High Ambulance. All right, today we're going to talk about hypothermia because it is negative nine degrees outside. Every year in the U.S., about 1,500 people die of hypothermia, and it's pretty much all preventable. I kind of want to go through the how we break it down medically. So we define it as anything less than 35 degrees, 95 degrees Fahrenheit, and then it's kind of broken down into mild, moderate, severe, and then pulseless. So mild is 32 to 35. That's when you get kind of alert, shivering, you're still tacky, you're hypertensive, and you get a cold diuresis. So these, these patients can be a little bit volume down. And the only thing they really need is just passive rewarming. So that's just blankets. And the next would be moderate. So that's 28 to 32. A lot of times these patients are drowsy. They actually stop shivering at this point. They can get a little bit bradycardic. They can get hypotensive, hypoventilate. And this is when we start our active external rewarming. And we'll kind of get into these in just one second. And the next category would be severe. So severe is 24 to 28. And this is when you start to get heart block, going to cardiogenic shock. Again, no shivering. And this is when we want to do our active external and internal warming. And then anything less than 24, usually they're pulseless. And usually this is a ventricular arrhythmia. So I want to talk about active and passive rewarming. So active rewarming, a lot of people, we always talk about like warm fluids, but warm fluids really don't do much for a cold patient. So the warm fluids usually are around 40 degrees in the in the warmer and the patient, you know, anywhere around 30. There's not enough of a delta there to really make any difference. It's unlike when we are cooling a patient. When we're cooling a patient, the, the fluids are down around like four Celsius and there's such a big delta that it actually makes a difference in that. So for active external, there's warm blankets, the bear hugger, and then for kind of active internal, a couple of things we can do. One is a thoracic lavage, if you've ever seen it here, but basically you could put a chest tube in. The patient that still has a pulse usually will go on the right side and you could put one or two in. If you do two, you could kind of put them side by side here in the more anterior one. You would infuse the warm IV fluids through the level one. And then the more posterior one, you can hook up to a pleurovac. Keep in mind, these fill pretty quickly. And it's kind of like the continuous bladder irrigation. We just have to make sure that we're getting out as much as we put in. And that warms the patient about three to six centigrade per hour. We can also do one chest tube and do kind of a push-pull as well. The second one would be a bladder lavage. This is less effective. You can either do a constant bladder irrigation with a three-way Foley or you could put 300 cc's of warm fluid, clamp it for 15 minutes, drain it, and then repeat it again. Some other more respiratory ones, so high flow. If you think about your alveoli, there's a muff surface area in your alveoli to cover about a tennis court. So if you have high flow at max temp, you can actually warm them up pretty well with that. You could also do BiPAP. If they are intubated, you could do heated flow on the intubation as well. So then real quick, lastly, are the dead pulseless patients. Just some things to keep in mind with these that a lot of times the ACLS drugs won't work until you get up to about 30 degrees. That's the same with the shocking. So these are mostly VFib, VTAC, and they also won't respond to shocks. So really, it's it's just high-quality CPR until you get up above about 30. And then when you get to 30 to 35, really the epi, you can start to get dose stacking with that. So you space it out to like every six minutes or so instead of like the standard ACLS. And then for these dead pulseless, also ECMO. ECMO is probably the best way to warm these patients up. You can warm up about 10 cc's per hour on that. And for these patients that are dead, in order to be 
actually pronounce dead, you have to be warm and dead. So you have to get them back up to 32 or you have to have a K greater than like around 12. And once you get over 32, if you have kind of a prolonged asystole, you can call time of death then. And the longest CPR successfully with a hypothermic patient was six hours and 30 minutes. And the patient walked out of a hospital completely neurointact. So just something to keep in mind with these, that they have such a low metabolic demand because they're so cold that uh, it actually is kind of a preservation for the brain. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Health One Continental Division and Swedish Medical Center for their financial contributions to the EMM. Donations from them and listeners like you make it possible for us to fulfill our mission of producing and spreading free medical education to the masses. If you enjoy our show, please consider making a one-time or reoccurring donation to help cover our operational costs and keep the EMM awesome. Click on the link in our show notes to make a donation. Thank you for listening.